Well, good morning. This is a spot of the service that I don't usually get to say good morning, but it's an exciting one. And uh, I will have to agree with Pastor Kyle, masks and mics don't work that well. Um, I recommend not trying it. But as we uh, come into today, uh, it's been an awesome opportunity to prepare and to look into God's Word. Uh, Today we're going to be in Psalms 13. Uh, It's something that (laughs) Pastor Kyle gave me the free range, and he's like, you get to pick something in Psalms. And when you say those words, you have to realize Psalms has a lot of books and has a lot of things uh, to look at. And as I was reading through Psalms, I came to Psalms 13 because it hits right where we're at right now. And it's a title as a prayer for help in trouble. And the sermon I titled today is The Change in Perspective. When hard things come, what do I focus on and trust in? Myself or the God that loves me? And so I'm going to start with reading Psalm 13, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive into what God is saying in this chapter. Psalms 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. In light of my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Jesus, Lord, I just pray that as we come into this time that you open our eyes to your word. I pray that it won't be my words or just words on a page, Lord, but that your Holy Spirit will open us up to what you have in Psalms 13. Lord, I pray that you challenge us. You know the hearts and minds of the people right here sitting here listening online And I pray that you will work in their lives, and I pray that you will speak to them how you want to speak to them. Lord, not for my glory, but for your glory. And I pray that our focus is on you. Thank you again for this time. In your name, amen. One of the starting statements when I first read this chapter is what we focus on is important in every aspect of our lives. You can think about this at a job. I work at FastCap, and one of the things that I've noticed, if I'm thinking about Facebook, anything outside of my work, I'm going to make a mistake. And I'm going, it's going to affect the chain of my coworkers or what's going to happen next. 
and it's going to maybe give a defect to the customer, and that's not what we want. Focus is important in everything that we do. Uh, most of the times when I wrote papers, I'd have grandma check, because grandma's really good at catching Hugh's mistakes of not spelling words correctly or grammar correctly. Um, so we have to focus on actually, like, what am I actually saying? What am I actually doing? But something that can affect our focus is our perspective. Now, usually when you hear focus, you hear perspective. But if our perspective is not on the right things, it can cause us to focus on the wrong things or not focus at all. The world defines perspective as a particular attitude or way of regarding something or a point of view. So it's how our attitude is looking at something. What do we see in what we're focusing on? Now, if we look through the Bible, we can see the importance of perspective in the things I focus on and in the things that I trust. We can look here, 2 Corinthians, we can look at Paul, chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the question we can ask is, how did Paul get to this point where he's saying, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. He's talking about God, his relationship with God. And how he sees things even though it's hard. David, Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. How did David come to a point where his flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength and my portion forever? James 1 Verses 2 to 4, James wrote, Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James had this perspective in view of, I can consider it joy when I face hard times. And how could he do that when there's hard things going on? What was he focusing on? Psalms. We come back to David and the psalmists. 119, 105 to 110. And it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I'm exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Oh, accept the free will offerings of my mouth, O oh Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in your, my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. David saying, your word, what you have spoken, is a light to my feet, a light to my path. It's something that's directing me. It's getting David to a point of where he knows that the Lord is directing and not himself. 
So as we look at this, how do we get to this point of where our perspective of God is at the center of our lives, where he is our lamp, he is our joy in hard times, he is our strength when we fail, and where he is the thing that we are continually running to. Now Psalms 13, we're going to get back into our text, and we're going to break it into three parts. Psalms 13 shows David working through his circumstances and shows us a progression of him processing emotions through hard times. Now, something you know about Psalms 13, we don't know the hard time, specific circumstance that David was going through, but we know it was pretty hard. And he was waiting for an answer from God. He was waiting for direction. And it was hard for him in that period of waiting. So if we break it apart, the first part, if we look at verses 1 and 2, we have this question of anxiety. The beginning of Psalms 13, we see the psalmist struggling with anxiety and not seeing the end to his trouble. He's focusing on his circumstances. This is hard. Why do I have to go through this? And if we look... This is the thing that stood out to me about Psalms 13, is the questions. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? If you look at all these questions... There's one thing that connects them all. They're focusing on time. They're focusing on, I don't like this timing. God, why can't it be in my timing? We can look at these questions and see, we ask these questions, maybe not how the psalmist is asking them, but we ask them in other ways. How long, O Lord? We don't like the Lord's timing. We want it in our timing. Will you forget me forever? We question God. We forget his promises. We could go directly to Deuteronomy 31.8. We forget this. Of It says in there, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. How long will you hide your face from me? We feel alone. We want to see God's face. We're looking at the things around us. We're searching. (laughs) This one is the one that hit me right in the gut when I read it. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? I've become self-sufficient, trying to go on my own strength and realizing it's not doing anything but give me sorrow. It's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying. And how long will my enemy be exalted over me? I'm looking at what I feel is unfair in my eyes, rather than focusing on Christ and who he is, a righteous and just God. Why do I have to go through this where, Lord, I want to follow you, but then people of the world don't have to go through this? We start comparing. We start seeing this. 
And this is important of where the perspective and our focus is so important. Because we can get stuck on the things. We can get stuck on the timing. We can get stuck on how we look at all these different things. If you want, you can turn with me to Matthew 6. And we're going to start in verse 25. And the reason why I want to bring us to Matthew 6 as we look at this question of anxiety, it talks directly about being anxious and the things that we focus on. And it says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If we look at Matthew 6, the one that I struggle with, I don't know if you struggle with, is verse 27. And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? When we're focusing on the time, when we are obsessing on these circumstances and not seeing the Lord in it, we're wasting that time that we can use to glorify the Lord, to honor the Lord. To see what he has for us in our lives. If we think about it, it's like a kid and a parent. Parents, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Or kids, I don't know if you've ever done this. But it's in the car, in the grocery store. Might be at the house. But how long till dinner's ready? How long do we have to be here? How long till I can I play my video games? Are we there yet? We can ask these questions about time so many different times. And we are that kid to God. We are that one of, we're pestering God. He doesn't show it. But we are just not focusing on him and focusing on ourselves because it's what we want in our timing. 
You might know these guys. Um, R.C. Sproul's said this. Christ told his disciples not to be anxious about tomorrow, but he's never said to consider tomorrow. Intelligent problem solving demands careful consideration of the future effects of present solutions. And Charles Spurgeon says this, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. When we think about this question of anxiety, of we start asking these questions of who are we trying to honor in those situations? Do we want to honor my time? I think my time is valuable. Or are we saying, Lord, I want you to be glorified in that? The second part, as we go down into Psalms 13, we can turn back to Psalms 13. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, and light in my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I will have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. We have to actually cry out to the Lord and realize the reality among us. The psalmist came to a point where he realized that he's in a bad spot. He's in some hard circumstances. And he can't do anything about it. He comes to terms what what will happen to him. I will sleep the sleep of death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. My adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But he's crying out to the Lord. He realized he needed to come to the Lord. He started with the questions, focusing on the time, but then realized, Lord, consider and answer me. O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes. And that puts in question, do we do that? Do we actually say, Lord, in those hard circumstances, help me in this. I don't know what I'm doing in this. And it brings to point that we need to have an awareness of God and the enemy. Now, when we say that, Our awareness of God needs to be bigger than our enemy. But many times we just focus on, yes, God is holy. God is love. God is just. God is. God is. God is. But we forget that we're in a battle. We can get tripped up in this battle if we're not aware of what can happen. Frank Derek Kinder was a British Old Testament scholar, and he said this, Awareness of God and the enemy is virtually the hallmark of every Psalms of David. The positive and negative charge which produce the driving force of his best years. For those that know science, you have positive and a negative, and when it comes together, it produces a force. And as we look at that, David, you can see through the Psalms where he was aware of the battle he was in and of who God is. And that's important for us of we need to know who the enemy is, 
But we also need to know that God is the one in control. God is the one that we should be coming to with all these things. Now, if we lose sight of God and focus on our enemy, it affects our relationship with God. And eventually we start turning away from him because we don't have that firm foundation because we start focusing on the hardships. I see God, but all of a sudden this came up. Why'd this come up? And that's how Satan can get his foothold into us and cause us to sin, which leads eventually to eternal separation. Or I've overcome him. That sleep of death and my enemy will rejoice. And I said, I have overcome him. So, how do we come to this end and realize that we cannot do it on our own strength? And I think that comes to the realization of where we go to that question of how long do I have to, you know, rely on myself? How long shall I take counsel of my soul having sorrow in my heart all the day? We have to realize that it's not fulfilling. We start answering our own questions and seeing. I'm struggling. I don't know what's going to happen here. If we look at 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 8, it says, this is Paul speaking, and he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from such great apparel of death, and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and he will deliver us yet. When we focus on God, he will deliver us through our trials, and rid of rid us of our examining because he is faithful. We see here Paul knows the affliction they are going through. And he's letting the Corinthian church know this. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. We can look at the world around us of all these different things, all the regulations and we can change those questions of how long to how long do i have to wear a mask how long do i have to be social distance how long do i get to go to the movie theater how long fill it in and if we look at that those questions of that how long, that's when we can start despairing even of life. Because it's hard. We may get stuck in those circumstances. But he goes on, Indeed we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul saw that when those circumstances came, it pointed to the Lord, said, hey, these are hard, but what is the Lord doing in this? 
The Lord is the one who raises the dead. He's the one that delivered us from eternal separation, from eternal death with sending his son to die on the cross. Now, the last point with 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 13, kind of takes a turn. We saw the questions. We saw him crying out to the Lord. Now it's a song of faith and falling before the Lord. When I first read the Psalms, I was like, wow, that's drastically different. I've trusted in your loving kindness, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Verse 5 starts with an important phrase, but I. When you see the word but, it means all these things are true, but here's a new thought. Here's something that is true. The psalmist's circumstances did not change. He was still going through hard things, but his focus did. His outlook, his heart was being changed because of what he was focusing on and the perspective of what he was looking at in the hard times. As I was looking at verses 5 and 6, it's really important to know how the Hebrew translates into our words. When you see, but I have trusted, that word trusted, when you translate it out of the Hebrew word of trusted, it's fall down, submit. It's actually that full submittance. And when we look at, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, salvation is the deliverance. And that word bountifully, because I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me, it translates to fully. All of a sudden, how long, O Lord? I'm waiting for you. Why haven't I hear, heard you? Will you forgive me forever to now? But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. How do we get to that point? And I think one of the biggest statements that we can look at in Psalm 13 is David was seeing his hardships through God's love rather than defining God's love through his hardships. Many times we focus on the hardships of, God, why are you allowing me to go through this hardship? If you're a just God, why'd you let this relationship fail? If you're a just and loving God, why did you take this family member away from me? When we start focusing on the hardships rather than who God is, that's when God gets obscure in our vision. David was looking at his hardships through God's love. God, I have trusted in your mercy, in your loving kindness. And because of that, my heart shall rejoice. 
even though life sucks, <laughs> even though I'm struggling right now. My heart shall rejoice because you have delivered me. You have delivered me with your son. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt fully with me. My circumstances haven't changed, but my focus has. Because the Lord is the one that gives that. We need to view God in his full mercy and how he has dealt with us. David knew this and wrote about God in his mercy and love. And David knew his place. David knew that he was not the one in control. In Psalms 103, verses 8 to 14, it says this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for, from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are dust. If we look at Psalms 103, 8 to 14, he was seeing the Lord is compassionate and kind and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He's realizing I deserve punishment for my sin. I deserve so many different things. But he's withheld that because I've trusted in his son. Because I've trusted in who he is and what he said. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. To those who actually respect and honor and see who the Lord is fully. And submit to that. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David wasn't focusing at that point on his circumstances. He was focusing on God's love. On what God has done for him, for us. So as a wrap-up, if we think about Psalms 13, what does that mean to us right now sitting here? You guys might know a guy named Hudson Taylor, and he was a missionary to China, and he said these words, I'm no longer anxious about anything as I realize the Lord is able to carry out his will, and his will is mine it makes no matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider than for me. For in the easiest positions, he must give me his grace. And in the most difficult, his grace is sufficient. Hudson Taylor rested on the fact that God is the one in control. 
He rested in God's grace and mercy. And yes, he had hard things he went through, but his focus was on the Lord. This isn't just true in Hudson Taylor's life. You can look at Joseph. You can look at Job. You can look at David. They went through hard things. But where was their focus? David was called a man after God's own heart. Not because he was perfect. But he knew that he had to keep continually coming back to the Lord. He struggled the same way we do. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? But then he did the important part of coming to him and saying, Lord, consider me and lighten my eyes. The question is, how do we get this point where we are focused on the Lord and resting in his grace and his mercy, his loving kindness? This might be hard for us, but we have to actually realize we have a problem. We want things our way, and we don't like to wait. We have this problem called sin, and it's in all of us. And we have to actually realize that's the thing that we're struggling with. And when we come to that realization of what's going on, we need to cry out to the Lord and ask him for discernment. We need to say, Lord, like, I need you in this situation. We actually need to humble ourselves and ask for help. It's one of the hardest things sometimes. And then we need to fall down. And we need to submit to the Lord and the mercy he gives us. And that's when our perspective of life, our focus, will change. That, but I have trusted, but I have fallen. I have given all these things to you. We have to, give to come to a point where we say, Lord, it's not mine. It's yours. As we end, for our hearts and minds to change at how we look at hardships in everyday life, we have to submit, call, and fall before the Lord and trust in his unfailing love. That's not our first response. Our first response is, how long? Lord, where are you? I don't know where you're directing me. It's like what it says in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We have to rest in Christ and his unfailing love. We have to humble ourselves every day and realize that God is in control and we are not. I have been crucified with Christ. Can we actually say that? Does our actions actually show that? We have to stop being anxious and learn to praise God in all circumstances, including those of uncertainty, where we're at right now. We need to constantly look to the Lord for guidance and trust that He has a plan to shape our circumstances for his glory. Not in our timing, but his timing. 
And I think that's important as we look at Psalm 13, as we look at David, as we look at where we're at right now. For our focus, for our perspective to change, we have to think of what are we looking at? Are we actually falling and submitting before the Lord and saying, Lord, use this? Are we looking at our hardships through God's love, or are we defining God's love through our hardships? And that's a challenge for us as we go out. We can look at social media, we can get frustrated with what's going on all around us. Some of you may be going through hard times right now, whether it's with work, whether it's family, whether it's you can aim it. The important thing to know is God's the one in control. He allows hardships so that we can see him. We can see how God is faithful. He is there. Many times we don't want to acknowledge he's there because we're trying to just doggy paddle in the sea of life, getting tossed. But we actually need to rest that he's there. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Jesus, Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for your word, for what it has for us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for us as a congregation, us listening, that we actually think of how we can live out Psalms 13. Where is our focus? Where is our perspective? Why is it important? Am I actually totally focused and surrendered to you, Lord? Pray for the people hurting, struggling right now, Lord, that they direct their thoughts, their minds to you that they give these things over to you and that you can work in their lives, not solve the hardship, but give them a peace because you are working. You're working in our hearts, in our minds, growing us so that we can see you. Lord, I pray for the ones that have been struggling with their faith or don't know who you are. That you will work in their hearts, challenge them to think of, do I actually know who God is? Do I know God's love? Do I know how much he gave for me? Do I actually know that I'm a sinner? I have a problem. Lord, I pray for those people that are wrestling through those things that you work in their hearts. Not the things that I said, but that you work in their hearts and let them come to a point that they want to have a relationship with you. They want to repent of their sins. They want to be in fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for us as a body that we show Christ in everything. 
we can reflect who you are because we're focusing on you. Thank you, Lord, so much for the things that you do and the things that you have given us. In your name, amen.